Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of Westminster Effects. You can go buy stuff for your guitar and more stuff like cables and stuff at WestminsterEffects.com. You join the discussion of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. You can also support the show at Anchor.fm. And make sure, hey, share the show. Share the show, dang it. Tell your yeah, friends. Lazy people. Yeah. Hit the share button on Facebook. It's not that hard. Just do it. I mean, don't they already don't. They, uh, your Facebook friends already don't like you. So, like, right. what, what's the worst that's going to happen? So, you, you, you burn a couple more bridges. Eh, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Uh, the right Reverend Bradley Cox pastor of resurrection church at greer in greer south carolina is not joining us today but you've already heard him via the interwebs <laughs> that's me hey everybody john ross westminster vex artist augsburgian christian um on vacation from worship ministry at the church for a while from lincoln nebraska oh really how'd that work out well so our uh, did you punch somebody uh, yeah 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 no uh you know, getting in the Christmas spirit, punching heretics. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I love that meme. I'm here to I'm here to give presents and punch heretics. And I'm all and out of I'm presents. All out of presents. Um, being a Duke Nukem fan, uh, that that ha- that carries. <laughs> uh, no, so um, for the last, it, it it probably ended up being two months, maybe a little less. Um, the uh, uh, primary uh, kind of a uh, worship leader, front man, sort of lead vocal, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, Josiah had been, uh, uh, had been out his, uh, uh his wife and, and, uh, and him had their first child. So cute little baby boy. And so I stepped up as, uh, um, in, into that role, you know, before, prior I had been doing kind of MD stuff, you know, running the show on Sunday morning. Um, and uh, taking care of loops and then pretty much on every week uh, you know playing guitar in in one way or, or another and uh you know to be perfectly honest uh, after after continuing to do all those things plus being worship leader for like just shy of two months it really brought me up to the point of jesus's work like mm-hmm. not like not work in the sense of, geez, there was effort required. I'm lazy and I don't want to do it, but this is like toil. And, right. uh, right. And, 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 you know, that's, that's not how I want to view, uh, view music. You know, like we, we I think we talked about, I, I've played a couple of, um, a couple of, uh, gigs for a friend of mine. Who's a actually a fantastic country artist. Um, and, uh, she's got a, second album dropping soon all sorts so i played a couple gigs for recently but you know i don't know the music right like i don't know a lot of these songs and they're not like a lot of the shows that she plays are like you know dance halls and things so you play a lot of covers and you know i I don't chicken pick i I don't know the old you know the country standards like just the things that you play as a country music player and uh and so like 
in any other circumstance, like if it were, if someone were like, Hey, you want to come play a punk show? I would have had the best time of my life. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, playing a country show, even though I, I, even though I like country music, right. It's like, it's just a whole nother world. And so it felt like, yep. you know, it felt like work. And so I didn't in, enjoy it. And, and that's kind of what, um, you know, where, where I'm at with, uh, with the band is like, you know, I, I absolutely, uh, am, am grateful uh for for the whole team and and value uh, value all of them but um with very few exceptions i mean i've been on every week for the last three years i mean right i'm tired right um and you know as as regular listeners have figured out uh my my schedule is increasingly busy mainly because my team size is it, my actual job is getting increasingly smaller um because uh apparently everyone can get a job anywhere they want now. And so they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're doing that. Um, and, uh, the old, the old Midwest, uh, way of being a company man. Uh, I guess I'm the only one in that boat. <laughs> currently. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no. So it's, it, it's been, it's been busy and even things like, uh, you know, producing the multi-tracks and, and whatnot, uh, which isn't a, it's not a hard thing, but there'd be so many times that I just wouldn't have the time during a week to do it. And so I would be between four and 5 PM and I would leave for the church at five is like trying to get those churned out. Um, usually in sacrifice of last minute, uh, you know, practice or everything. So everything was just, there was too much stress. Right. And it's not like I'm automatically just have Thursday nights free now. Cause that's not the case. You know, my son still has swim practice and I still have dinner to cook for the family. I still have errands to run, things like that. But it, there, a little bit of breathing room is, uh, is the name of the game right now. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, and, uh, and I'm happy to say that the band did so well with the opening set this past Sunday that it actually made me say, man, I wish I were playing up there. Like, you know, first week Funny off. Funny how that works, right? Yeah, it was first, you know, my first week off and, and, uh, and it wasn't like, I need to be there because they're going to screw things up. No, it was like, they nailed the opening set so well. I was like, man, that would have been fun to play, you know, just, yeah. just as a musician. And, uh, you know, maybe that's my, you know, maybe that's my path forward, but I'm, uh, I'm taking some time to, uh, uh, as in the words of Michael W. Smith, find my place in this world. Oh my goodness! I, I had to. I had to. I'm sorry. You you had to. You were you were contractually obligated to yeah. make that Michael W. Smith reference. Yeah. Um, I have no transition for that, just because. Anyway, hey, it's so. a great thing that friends are friends forever, as long as the <laughs> Lord's the Lord of them. So no matter no matter how awkward it gets, we can always just move right on to the next thing. Yeah, that's true. So I told you I had a story for you. Yeah, yeah. And it and it's kind of funny. It's not like the most, it's not like an, a total knee slapper, but I did feel a little vindicated. And, and I hate that Bradley's not here for this one. Uh, but uh, we sang in the middle of November, we sang Sing We the Song of Emmanuel uh, by the Gettys. Okay. And, and you know, it's, it's not Advent yet. I don't know if I, I don't know if I know that song. Cause right. immediately when you said that, 
in my head, I went, sing us a song of the century by Green Day off a of 21st century breakdown. And I'm like, I don't no, think. No, we did not play that. No, we wouldn't have played that. <laughs> did you uh, Did you cop a Green Day tune for worship? <laughs> not so much. Uh, this, one, this one has uh, uh, a far more expansive vocabulary than Billy Joe Armstrong has. <laughs> We'll just say that, um, but and it is very, very wordy song. But um, so the way Stephen, our worship minister, introduced it was, you know, he's been thinking about you know, the incarnation and all that kind of stuff. He's like, so we're going to sing this song. And if it bothers you that it's a Christmassy song, then just tell yourself that we're singing about the incarnation to make your make yourself feel better. <laughs> nice. And and you know, people our our longtime listeners know that for uh, several years I served on what we called the council, mm-hmm. and, uh, and particularly the last couple of years that was me and uh, Zeke, one of our worship leaders, and then Mary Bradley's wife. Mm-hmm. And she's there on the front row. And I had made that exact same argument three years ago, trying to put a Christmas song in January. (laughs) So like three years ago, I'm trying to plug that in. I got shot down pretty, pretty immediately. No, that's, you know, that's cheesy, whatever. And so we made eye contact and kind of lost it a little bit. (laughs) Mm. Nice. Nice. Like, yes, yes, I did. Told you so. Yeah. I did win this one after all in the long game. <laughs> you know, it, 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 this reminds me a little bit of our, of our chat very early on in, uh, in, in what's become, you know, uh, I'll, 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 I'll emphasize it to make it sound a little bit more grandiose than it is a third of a decade of yeah. podcasting, right? Uh, our conversation with, uh, uh, with, uh, pastor Hannes, uh, yeah. and we talked about Christmas and how their focus is on the incarnation. And since the focus is on the incarnation, um, they could preach what we would normally refer to as Christmas all year round. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so. honestly, and honestly, that concept, uh, is a beautiful gospel notion. Yeah, exactly. So, but my, my point in bringing up the story is, you know, we're not very patient you know, mm. being American Christians, Western Christians, Western society in general. We're not patient at all. Uh, if we can't microwave it and have it ready in two minutes, it's not worth, it's not worth it. Right. Uh, and, and you really see this in church culture where if you don't get your way, if the pastor preaches a sermon, you don't like, mm. you know, you, you know, like I have, I haven't com- completely convinced Bradley of, post-millennialism yet right (laughs) yeah so you know oh man he says he's optimistic amil or amil or whatever uh then you know a lot of people would see that as grounds for just bouncing for just leaving the church Mm. right uh and then there's you know i i don't know how many uh songs i recommended to the council before uh before i finally got one but it was at least 15 It took a long time. It took a really long time. Uh, but, you know, whether it's uh, a minor theological disagreement, uh, some kind of preference that isn't met, et cetera, et cetera, we just have a tendency to want to bounce as opposed to exercising a little bit of patience. That doesn't mean that you, quote unquote, win in the long run right. every time by any means. But 
Well, I don't even know if it's you if get, it. I don't even know if we even need to go as severe as like if we don't get our if we don't get our way, then we're out. I mean, right? But like, it's even it's even if we don't if we don't get our way, um, we pout we'll, to make we'll, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll pout. You we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll get upset and and I. Yeah, I, I've been there. I've been there plenty. You know, we've talked on the show on some um, frustrations I've had with, uh, you know, with my congregation. Um, you know, movie series for one. Um, yep. You know, that's that's the running. That's no, the, no one was aware that you were frustrated with the at the movie yeah. series. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean, of course, that's that's a running joke. But just in general, like topical mess. Like I think, you know, and, and I'll you know can elaborate later if if. Uh, if that's how the the winds blow us, but um, you know the oh goodness the the vigor at which topical preaching had been uh, approached or parallel preaching or or whatever, and mm-hmm. uh, in in the past, I think um, almost soured me to the whole notion of anything other than. Um, standard expositional preaching, uh, and so that whenever something comes up that's like more on a topic than on you know a specific portion of of scripture, mm-hmm. um, I'm automatically like predisposed to really be upset about it. Oh yeah, and uh, and you know often. Often that's that's not warranted. Um, so yeah, I know right. I know exactly what you're getting at, and, and even even like our our recent baptism service, which went really really well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my my preference would be to just do it in the middle of a church service, like that. If if it was all up to me, thank God it's not, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would have a really bad time, <laughs> but if it but if it was all up to me, uh, we'd just do it in the middle of a, of a regular church service, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but you know, the fact that it wasn't wasn't the end of the world. What's the end of the world? And 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 you know, and it, you, you've got prefer- you've got preferences and you've got yeah. thoughts in that that aren't necessarily um, considering maybe some of the more logistical challenges that other people in leadership, you know, have to consider as well. Like right. uh, you know, we used to do uh, we used to do our confirmation services in the afternoon on Sunday and they were huge and we'd have to set up overflow, um, mm. you know, outside of the worship space. And it, you know, the, the, people don't want to, people don't want to come in, you know, from however far and, you know, watch their, uh, their, their grandson, uh, you know, get confirmed quote, quote, um, on a big screen TV, you know, 10 feet outside right. of the worship space. And so, you know, adjustments have been made, you know, but like when we did our confirmation service, there's a lot of people who really appreciate that we open with a two song, a two song set list, you know, kind of opening worship set. And we switched down to one. I didn't, I didn't think twice. It was like, yeah, cause Sunday school's still going on. Like, uh, you know, we can't run over. Um, and, uh, well, sure enough, um, people people cared not like in an angry way, but they're like, oh man, I, you know, there were a couple of weeks ago, you you know, you guys only did one opening song, and man, I really wish you would have done two. I'm like, oh, you noticed, <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's 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 
and this this is something that I have to continually keep myself in check on too. Is like there's so much to consider about any decision made in worship, and I I think you and yeah. I are very much on the same page. It's like, gee, just flip and make it simple, right? Like, just just go and sing and read and preach and pray and and you know why does it have to be so complicated? Um, unfortunately, everything's so complicated. Yeah. And, and I mean, even, even down to, and I guess this just gets down to how you deal with people in general. Uh, mm. you know, wifey and I lead our small group these days, which then means that we have to consider every person in there whenever we decide that we're going to do whatever study next. Mm, right. Sure. And, and so, especially going into the new year, it's like, well, how much emphasis do we put on Advent incarnation stuff in December? Where do we go after that? Uh, what, and who needs what? <laughs> you know, because, you know, there's inevitably, and our group has 14 people, including ourselves. Uh, some people need to be encouraged, some people need a hug. You know, there's other dudes, you need to break your foot off and they're John Brown hind parts. (laughs) Right. And and, in the words of uh, Denzel Washington and remember the Titans, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where, you know, some people need a kick in the pants. Uh, (laughs) That's such a delicate balance. Right. Um, And, and you're, you end up having to exercise patience with all of them. Right. Because maybe you kick the guy in the pants. And he shapes up for a couple of weeks and then a month later, he's doing the same stupid thing he was. Right. Right. Uh, and then maybe you kick him in the pants. Maybe it's, Hey, you feel really bad about this. Now I got to give you a hug. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the people who need a hug right now, maybe they're still wallowing in self-pity <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and they need a kick in the pants. <laughs> and, and so there's this this long game with with all of that and you know the, the story that i brought up was just it's really just a silly story mm-hmm. like you know like huzzah i won the argument who cares right, right but right, right. but but in terms of actually dealing with people uh people aren't around just for a year or two if they're if they're committed obviously mm-hmm. uh you have to deal with people over years and sometimes decades like we're coming up on being at res for eight years now, mm. eight years. And there's been so much change in that eight years. I mean, it's almost a decade, right? Yeah. And so there's been shifts in multiple directions. I think almost all of them, probably at least 90, 95% have been for the better. Um, but uh, at the same time, some of those changes, even ones that I would have preferred, have taken pretty much that entire time to materialize. Right. 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 And and if I had if I had decided that enough was enough, and that never crossed my mind. Uh, but if I had decided enough was enough four or five years into that eight years, it never happens. I never mm-hmm. see that change. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely something that that has crossed my mind. Although we're, I mean, we're very invested in you know in our congregation. I mean, our kids our kids go to our our attached uh, preschool and, and day school. Um, you know, we're our. I mean, we were we're friends with with so many people in the congregation. I mean, that is our 
our social family for the most part. Um, and so, you know, leaving would, would always, I mean, it, it, it would be a, a huge decision and certainly not something to be done on, on the basis of, well, I'm aggravated, but you know, there, there have been, been times and I'm sure my, my wife would co- corroborate this where I get really upset about something. And then, uh, I'm like, Oh, Oh, that, that got better. Um, where, you know, like the, there was for the longest time, we, the only kind of, and, and I realized that this, that this is adiaphora, if, if nothing, if, if, if nothing more, um, but, you know, a typical component of a worship space in, in, in the Lutheran tradition is having a, a cross, um, you know, centered, um, at the chancel area, you know, behind behind the altar, sort of thing. We're we're not as holy as you are. Ours is to the left. And well, it's it's just tall enough that it's on my side of the stage. It's just tall enough that it passes right over my head. Nice. <laughs> so I have to be careful to not take my guitar off and change my oh. guitar right there. <laughs> and it's also a good thing that I don't wear Gene Simmons platform shoes up there. Right, right. I uh, that that for multiple up, reasons, but that would end up on one them. of those worship leader fail compilations. I'm sure. Yes. Um, anyway, as you were. Yeah. No. Um, like for the longest time, it was. So we had this one that's that was built as an art piece for the congregation. Um, we, uh, I will call it affectionately, affectionately refer to it as the Gumby Cross. Um, because it's, it's very wavy, it's like very wavy, but it's made out of like, you know, brushed steel and everything. It's, you know, it's hung up on the, uh, it's house. the Joe Rogan DMT trip <laughs> cross, right. right? It's, it's very, and, uh, you know, it's hanging up there and we, we, um, um, we, we have a light that we use that we project the liturgical color of the current season on, um, Although it's not that, I mean, it still happens. That's not mentioned too much anymore. Um, but as far as like on what I would consider the chancel area, I'm not a huge fan of calling it a, a, a stage. Um, just because stage has a different connotation in my mind, you know, because I've been in theater for so long and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, we had our, our altar table um, and it had a little, a little cross on it. And, but every year during Easter, we would put a big wooden, uh, wooden cross up, you know, like, you know, center, center stage, center, you know, whatever. Um, and then on Easter, it would switch to a, a white one and, you know, whatever. Um, and years ago, I was like, man, wouldn't it be great if it just stayed there? Wouldn't it be great if it just stayed there? Mm-hmm. And it was years and years and years. And soon, soon enough, at some point, it never went away. I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice that it didn't go away. <laughs> you because, wanted that thing so bad. And then you never noticed. That. Well, it's be, because it, but I never noticed because it didn't go away. I, I can't say when was, I mean, I think it was when, when uh, pastor Hutton started around that time, um, that it was, that it became part and parcel to the, to the look of the space. 
I mean, I, you know, we've, uh, as we've discussed before, I'm, um, I do place great importance on the aesthetics of a, of a worship space. And that's not like, uh, you know, like, uh, crazy light shows and, and things like that. It's more of what does the worship space say and what does it point, what does it point you to, right? Even in the sense of the old cathedrals, like the, the stained glass, you know, would, mm-hmm. would teach without words, right? The, uh, the fact that the entire, um, the entire uh, worship space was was designed uh, to point to the empty cross of Christ. Um, I mean, trans kind of um, uh, in in contrast to you'd have your, your the Old Testament altar, you'd have the New Testament altar. You know, like there's there's yeah 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 there's great meaning <clears throat> in, in stuff there. But, I think that's worth exploring in another episode. Oh yeah, again uh, we've we've talked about it some, but. In in the modern church world, we just think make a building that looks kind of cool, if that. Sure. Uh, and and one of one of the errors are one of the errors a lot of Protestants fall into is the building doesn't matter at all, right? Right, because it's because the church is people, right? Uh, but you know, I've been in even Protestant churches who did take their building seriously, where uh, like the old great Catholic cathedrals, your, your attention is, is vertical. Right. Um, And there is a difference. There's a notable difference in that, but anyway. Yeah, no, no, I, I would love to explore that in, in another episode, but I guess what I'm getting at is like, that's something that, that bothered me for the longest time. And, uh, and at some point it just didn't go away. And I think about that every time now I see it. I'm like, Hmm, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, we honestly, we used to do a lot more, um, themed sermon series, I mean, whether it be movies or books or musicians or whatever, like things that had had no business. Um, I mean, there's a difference between using something as a sermon illustration or or allegory, and then have then writing a sermon to highlight that allegory. There's a difference. The allegory should highlight scripture, and not the other way around. Um, and but yeah, know, the, oh, yeah. We, we have come a, a long way, and I, I often neglect to uh, uh, to recognize that. Um, like yeah, I, I'd love I'd love a cut and switch, but um, you know we've also got to k- keep in mind the context of the congregation, and and we need to change expectations a little bit. And uh, and even in the midst of of thematic series and things like that, I mean, making sure that we proclaim the unadulterated gospel of uh, of, of Christ and uh, and His Word is uh, is of utmost importance. Um, and you know, for for such a large church that's been around for so long, we are still very much maturing. And I look forward to the, the oh, point yeah. where where we get you know where we get there, or when we get there. Um, and yeah, right. and that's it's going to that's, that's, take some patience, and it's not just like, man, change already. Oh, it's like, yeah. stick it out, help to be the change. Let your talents and abilities 
that you've been blessed with be a blessing to the church mm-hmm. and uh, and help them grow in the way that you feel that you've been called to help to, to do so. Yeah. yeah, and and that's one of the things that you know I've I've talked about it before is uh, Res is in a really good spot. You know, you talk about your church maturing, mm-hmm. and our church has been maturing progressively, and I think we're in a really really good spot, and we're gonna hopefully keep maturing, you know, by the grace of God. But mm-hmm. uh, where we are compared to where we were eight years ago, man, like mm-hmm. being able being able to have that frame of reference. If you change churches every two years. You don't, you don't ever right. see that. Right. I mean, I, I don't think there's, there's any congregation. I mean, and, and of course I, I, and by that, I mean, uh, any, uh, any, scri- you know, scripturally confessing congregation with a healthy view of, 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 of the gospel. Right. Um, but I don't think there's any that you're going to go through that's going to quote, tick all your boxes, right? Like those old John right. Christ, uh, house oh, like the church hunters uh sketches like insert know, my line about how john christ isn't funny right I here know, but i know ugh. but um it's uh, no church is gonna gonna tick all those gonna tick all those boxes and because in every in every church you have you know its own bespoke community that's in process of development and that's far from just just worship i mean we've we've had leadership switches and uh you know organizational changes and mission changes and shoot even name changes over the last five years and we're finally getting back into the point of of starting up healthy small group uh ministry programs we just we just really haven't had anybody to sink their teeth into and and, and to run that you know, run that program at a church of, you know, like two, 3,000. Like, it's it's all part of about, because if things don't always mature in the order in which we want them to. You know? yeah. yeah, that's uh, true. No, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had an analogy, but I'm going to keep it to myself. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Inquisition. move on to the Inquisition. Yeah, yep. I think so. come to the inquisition where you the listener contribute directly to the show you have asked us questions via weekly post in the westminster effects doxology podcast lounge we answer it on the fly thank you mute button for covering up my cough nobody <laughs> wanted to hear that as is and, tradition we and start i didn't with, want to edit it out so yeah yeah exactly as is tradition we start with brian morris who asks how should one evaluate red flags when it comes to choosing a church either for membership or ministry opportunity additionally how many red flags is too many hmm. i don't know i don't know that i have a how many like i don't think you can make it quantitative uh it could be one giant one right, right? like right, like if, yeah. if, if you're uh like if the church the, if, if the church has elca after its name then chant you know, yes. then that, that's that's an automatic <laughs> just, no or pcusa or whatever yeah. <laughs> or american baptist association just run away um but um if you have like some authoritarian driscoll style uh, stuff going on, like what you're seeing in the rise and fall of Marcel, especially that last episode, that's like two and a half hours long. And it's just gut wrenching the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
listen to it on like 1.3. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, that's, that's one giant red flag, right? Uh, that would, that should be a deal breaker. If they've, I think they had in two years, 85% uh, turnover on staff, Man. something like that. That's not healthy. Uh, so, that's one giant red flag, but then you could have a bunch of tiny little red flags. Maybe theologically, they're going kind of woke-ish. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, just like autism, <laughs> wokeness is on a spectrum. <laughs> Good grief, Cody. <laughs> I haven't gotten myself in a lot of trouble recently, so let's just go there. You know, so if, if somebody's outright preaching CRT from the pulpit, as opposed to saying, well, yes, black lives matter, you know, like there, there's a difference in degree there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's, you know, a couple theological quarrels that you'd have, if there's, you know, maybe some stylistic things that could be red flags, right? Like uh, traditionalism. Like if they're just so bent on this is the way we do it because it's the way we do it kind of thing. And that can be traditionalism in regards to contemporary or traditional style. Right. Traditionalism as opposed to intentionality. Yes. Uh, So it's, it's really just, it's really just kind of up to wisdom, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, wisdom and and discernment. I mean, there's something to be said for gut feelings, right? You know, but pray, pray, pray to the spirit for discernment. And, uh, and, you know, so, so often, uh, you know, it, I mean, it sounds like a Sunday school sermon, but boy, it'd be, it'd be really nice to, to just have a, a screaming, uh, neon sign from God in, in the sky. Oh, thanks uh, for that. Yeah. That plug for my blog, codyfields.com. Go read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, circumstances like this remind me of, of that old parable. And that's, uh, you know, the, there's this, this single guy in a house in the middle of a, of a flood. Right. And he needs to evacuate. And, uh, you know, the fire department comes and is like, we need to get you out. It's like, no, my God will save me. You know, and then, then his neighbor comes with a fishing boat, um, big enough for all of his important stuff and him. It's like, no, no, I'm going to stay here. My God will save me. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, and then, uh, the other guy's house gets overwhelmed by floodwaters and he passes away and he's like, well, why am I here? I trust you to save me. He's like, I sent you to fire department and I sent you your next door neighbor to help you out. And you didn't, you know, it, yeah. it, it's very much as like, we have been, you know, we have been given wisdom. We've been given, um, uh, we've been given s- scripture that, that shows us the unhealthy, uh, things that can crop up in the church. You know, we see that yep. greatly in Paul's letters and, uh, you know, all of those things apply, but at the same time, you know, we've, we've also been, been hopefully, you know, given a certain sense of not stupidness. Um, but, you know, I, I think, uh, Brian, in this case, you know, he's asking specifically for a thing and, and I, you know, I won't, I won't elaborate, um, uh, that conversation is in the Westminster uh, effects doxology podcast lounge on Facebook, if you'd like to check that out. But, um, you know, I think there were some concerns in, in turnover and sometimes turnover is, is okay. Is it 
Right. Is it like incidental? It did something, did something happen, good or bad? Did something happen to cause that turnover? Or is it systemic turnover? Because if, it's, if yes. it's systemic turnover, then that would seem to, sh- to just like you alluded to, um, that there are, you know, really uh, kind of ingrown uh, leadership issues. But if it was, if it was something that, that happened and now the church has moved past it, right? You know, maybe there was a, yeah. maybe there was a financial issue and there was some misallocation of funds or misreporting or a perceived misuse and a, you know, a bunch of staff are like, Oh, I don't need to be part of this. I am out, you know, and the church has since moved past that on an organizational level, you know, like what, what's the cause for that turnover? Um, so, yeah. Yep. Next question from James Quinn, which is a fairly similar question, but little bit of a different angle. When looking for a new church due to moving, what are some major things outside of biblical teaching to look for? For example, one of ours is having, uh, wait a minute, how to even read it? There's a typo in here. Uh, anyway, his son is nonverbal autistic. And even though he's five, he's at a two-year-old level and he doesn't hold up well sitting in Mm. services. So a little bit heavier on that. Yeah. Uh, But ultimately he's kind of asking for accommodations. It ultimately looks like. Um, And so again, chalk this one up to wisdom. Like I don't have a frame of reference for having, Right. And for having an autistic kid, right? And not, neither do I. Was, I mean, I don't think I do. Um, but, <laughs> like, there's, you know, when you say accommodations, you know, like, uh, my, my brain goes to, like, uh, you know, like school district accommodations, right? When there's a, a, learning, a, a learning or some sort of physical uh, disability or ailment um, that they could make special accommodations to help with. But I think the more thing is like, it's not, can the church fix this situation, but is the church healthy enough that this situation isn't a situation at all? That, that your five-year-old that acts like a two-year-old who's nonverbal is a valuable child of God, just like anyone else. If there's, Mm -hmm. if if there's uh, an, an outburst or, or something um, that's uh, quote disruptive in the congregation, um, you know, do, do do all the congregation, you know, turn around and look, who is that interrupting, interrupting my Sunday morning? Or are they just like, Hmm, the sound of God's people in church. Right. And and there's, there's also something, you know uh, I know, I know many autistic people have uh, can, have sensory overload pretty quickly, right? So maybe volume of the service is something to take into account. Um, I think that's something that we need to do a better job at anyway. Like we've talked about it before. Uh, You should be able to hear each other singing. Um, Right. If if I can't hear myself singing, it's too loud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and, but like you also have risk of hearing damage too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, We don't want to subject people to volumes that would actually be harmful in the long run. Well, and then uh, small things like that, uh, you know, decibel level, right. Seems so pragmatic 
for us to consider because we're like, yeah, right. you know, 90, 89, 88, probably, probably healthy, you know, level. But like, if there's a church that's really blowing the doors off, you know, like running like 95, 97 or something like that. Um, or 105. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, yeah. like, but then, then that leads to a question like, why are they doing that? Right. right. Um, you know, we, we've talked about before, it's never, it's, it's never, or at least very rarely something wrong with X, right? It's rarely something wrong with coffee, you know, like a coffee bar, right at the um, in in the church, or can you bring coffee into into the worship space, right? It's rarely something like that. Like that, it's it's rarely. Do we use lights? Do we use fog? Do we use a drum set? It's rarely those individual things. What it really amounts to is what do all of these things indicate regarding the intentions of the congregation? Are we blowing people's ears off at 105 because we want it to feel like a rock show 100%. And if so, is that that's not healthy motivation. I mean, that has nothing to do with music style. I mean, an organ can be too loud to be perfectly honest. I, I like a loud organ, but if, if the organist plays a bunch of flourishes and everything, you know, between stanzas of a hymn, does that make it conducive to congregational singing? Or are you just trying to be awfully impressive with, uh, right, right. You know, with, with what you're doing? Um, you know, I, I would, I would, in, I would encourage, uh, you know, all of our listeners regardless of, of whether you're looking to make a change are making a change or, or happy where you're at, always look past the surface and discern what, why, why are these things being done? Um, because there are, I'm sure there's some things that had in, that had good intentions at one point have become sacred cows and even they're no longer relevant, but they're still there. But then there's things like, I mean, this is a bit of a stretch, but you know, Bethel with the you know the stuff in the air vents and the the glory cloud or or whatever. It's like, what's their intention behind doing that? Right. It's to make it's it is to manipulate a feeling of transcendence, yeah. and, that, and that's that's deception outright too. So. Right. Right. It's yeah. like so so look past the, the the surface and get to the core of why those things why those things are being done, and I think that. Especially if you're on the look for a new church, and if you see something in a Sunday service, and like this was all really great, but I don't understand this. Ask about it, and if they don't answer, get out. Yep. Last question from Farrick Zindley. I'm actually kind of excited about this question. Uh, how do you look? How does one look at the mountain jumping into the sea verse in the right way? Talk about a verse that's been taken out of context. So. To put this thing into context, I'm going to I'm going to do the one for Matthew 21. So, uh, in Matthew 21, this comes right after Jesus has cleansed the temple, mm-hmm. and and he leaves, goes to uh, the city of Bethany, spends a the night there. So, starting in verse 18, in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it, but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, 
truly I say to you, if you have faith and don't doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. All right. So what is, what's the mountain he's talking about? Well, he did say this mountain and he was talking to them, right? Uh, the, if you go to y'all version, all of those use would be y'all. Mm-hmm. If, if y'all say to this mountain, <laughs> go ahead and jump into the ocean. It'll happen. Well, Matthew 21 through like 25, 26 is all judgment of Jerusalem stuff. Right. Uh, it it kind of uh, crescendos in, in Matthew 24 when he's foretelling the destruction of the temple. It's not about the end of the world and it's not about the rapture, right? The coming of the son of man is in judgment, uh, which is very common language in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of people don't realize is Jerusalem is in the mountains. So when he's saying, hey, tell this mountain to jump into the sea, well, that mountain jumped into the sea in 70 AD. There you go. I mean, it, you, you can even make a bit of a parallel. Not a great one. Not a great yeah. one. This is like first year out of seminary parallel. Not great, but as as some <laughs> has some has some salt to it. Um, in in the world of what we would call the office of the keys, right? Yes. Like where because you know even though quote Matt Chandler, the Bible's not about you. Uh, we still, we still try, <laughs> even, even if we hate it, we still try. Um, and you know, the, the, the office of the key, uh, the office of the keys effectively tells us, um, that, you know, whatever, uh, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. You forgive sins. They are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, they are not so forgiven so on and so forth. Um, but the core of that is, is that, it's not our forgiveness to give. We are announcing forgiveness that uh, that exists. We're we're pointing it out, right? We're highlighting it, right? We're not writing anything new. This is like you getting a textbook, so like I really like this line, and then you underline it. You know, that's that's really uh, uh, the most basic understanding. So when you say this mountain will be, you know, will will be thrown into the sea, uh, judgment has already been proclaimed over that mountain. Yeah. You yeah. are conf- you are confirming that judgment, right? Yes, um, there we go. You're not you are not the one who, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, say to this mountain, "Move," and it will move. Right? Mm-hmm. We know that the will of God is sovereign above all. If we have faith, trusting in God to accomplish His purposes, and His purposes are that mountain's going to move then we can say in faith that mountain will move. That's not us throwing a mountain into a sea or moving a mountain. That's not us raising people from the dead. That's not us doing any of these things. It is us trusting and going forward in faith that we can announce what God has already accomplished. Right. Yep. And and God does work. He's ordained the ends and the means, and the means sometimes are prayer, right? Right. And so, if God has ordained to accomplish throwing that mountain into the sea through your prayer, 
obviously it's going to happen. Right. I mean, it's, it's like, we've talked about, uh, about the topic of prayer other times. It's, you know, prayer is, is so much less us asking for stuff than we think it is. Prayer is so much more align my will with yours. And that's a very Luther statement, but it's, it it comes from, from his, from his small catechism. It's like in the Lord's prayer, you know, we don't, ask that this that his kingdom come we know that his kingdom come we ask that we may see his kingdom revealed and that's an that's an us thing right right you know we're not this stuff it has been accomplished this stuff has been decided uh, put into play acted upon we pray that we may be conscious of what's been done, that we may see what's been done and what is being done and that we can see our role in it to the glory of God. Yep. Good stuff. Shall we end it there? I think so. I think so. I think we, uh, we beat that horse until it was dead and we can put it into the pile with the rest of the dead horses. (laughs) We should get a t-shirt. It just says a pile of dead horses on it. (laughs) We'll see it. I'll, I'll have to see what I can manage with that maybe that's maybe maybe, maybe, maybe that's the thing store ten dollars ten dollars a month ten dollars a month you get yourself gets a you dead, <laughs> uh, gets you a dead horse shirt <laughs> oh well go buy stuff at westminstereffects.com it's it's about christmas time and we have gift cards available it is so. you know uh it was a it was a few years ago i i think it was right maybe maybe right before we started the show my uh, my mom got me a uh, a westminster effects gift card for christmas and that's what i bought my zing my zwingli with yeah and, and that uh, was you were the very first westminster effects gift card ever seriously there you go yeah huh, that was that? that was the entire reason that i got that plugin on the website <laughs> <laughs> because your mom nice so well you know there's uh uh, so thanks to John's mom for helping me have another revenue stream. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, uh, but no, it was uh, it was great, and uh, you know, with so many things with with gear, um, and you know, I've been thankfully I've been super content. You know, I've I've got like um, I'm I think I'm actually getting gonna get rid of my Helix. Um, Good. <laughs> right. um, but you know, so many things with gear. Uh, you know, we always think about, you know, oh, you know, I've got, I've got this and I need to get this and this and this, you know, the, the cool yeah. thing about the gift card was like, it's not going anywhere. It's yeah. not, it, you know, it, it, I can't, I can't use this to, you know, to buy new tires for my car. You know, yep. it's, it's something that you can keep in your pocket and really be like, Hmm, it's time. And that's what I want. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Good stuff. Well, thanks for listening to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. Go love God, love your neighbor, make some music. We'll see you next week. <laughs>